friends, welcome to episode 91 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Full. Yeah, Dinner good was dinner. good. Good. Oh my lord. Dinner. That was totally oh, good. Roasted Vicky. veggies and pasta, just mm, fresh baked bread. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, this. The, if it is telling of a time, my wife is baking bread and is doing an amazing job. I, f- I feel. I feel like the the, the bread ba- the, the quarantine bread baking thing <laughs> yeah. like has already like she's a little late to the late to the uh, to, to the uh, uh, to the scene. Yeah, but but hey, better late than never, man. One hundred percent, and still good, still good, amazing. She Absolutely did pick amazing. up the uh, the D and D cookbook. Oh, she did. Yeah, it's actually I like the book itself. It's a nice book. Like, What's, what, what, I mean, what would be in a D and D cookbook? Um, there's I mean your normal stuff. So you have like appetizers entrees yeah, yeah, full sure. dinners desserts and mm-hmm. drinks they actually include drinks in there too okay and there's uh there's a mind flare i don't necessarily agree like i agree that it's a nice drink but i do not believe it's a mind flare like i would have expected more mind eraser oh. out of that drink <laughs> but no it's like a nice vodka drink is basically what it oh, is. oh okay okay so it's, it's, it's no strawberry surprise oh god no yeah. I, w- I wouldn't think that anybody would put something terrible in there that's true so that's true. um they, so. they probably put a mind fl- a real mind flayer in there, and they were like, "Oh no, you can't! Oh no, oh, no. we are going to be sued for out for people exactly. dying of alcohol poisoning and liver failure." Yeah. So. Uh, but everything else in there looked kind of neat. She's going to try a couple different things. There's some breads in there and hey. stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how my uh, my warrior's feast goes, you know? Yeah, all right. Yeah, so, so I, I think between that and the Elder Scrolls cookbook, you know, we can... Once we get uh, once we get back to gaming in person... Yeah, there's elven can... bread in it. She wants to do that. Okay, okay, So okay. I think it's going to be like a sweet bread, so that'll be real fun. Oh, that'll be nice, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, so the show tonight... Yeah. Uh, we are talking a little bit about episodic gaming. Yes. Um... So, uh, Sean and I have been spending our evenings, uh, barreling through Stargate SG-1 lately. What fun. And, oh, such a, such a great show. Um, it's, it's showing its age a little bit, a little so, bit, but it's, so? such, it's such a fun, great show. And of course I, I grew up, I, but I, but I also grew up on Star Trek. True, true. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation, yep, yep. Deep Space Nine was one of my all-time favorites. I think I've said that on the show several times before. Yeah. Um, things of like that. And I know a lot of friends uh, friends of ours are, are big fans of like Babylon 5, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Farscape, yep. uh, things like that. And uh, now the reason I'm bringing all this up is because um, those follow very much an episodic format. Um, yep. I mean, there is there is a continuing storyline yep. from start of the show to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for season or foes yeah. come and go, uh, you know, new, new allies are made, mm-hmm. plots get resolved over the course of the seasons and stuff like that. But it's not really your typical, like one big epic story sort of thing. It's more broken down into like bite-sized episodes mm-hmm. where at the beginning you have a, a, a challenge gets put out. There is a conflict of some sort in the middle. And by the end of the episode, 45 minutes later, plus commercial breaks. Yep. You have your resolution. But what's interesting about all the things you've talked about, and Mm -hmm. and that it fits that way, the show always opens with something different. Yeah. Like, hey, we're on the way to this quadrant to help this group do X. That has nothing except for background theme going on for Mm -hmm. it. Everything else sits just above that because really the replicators are having a problem in producing like ghost forms across the ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, when it really is the reason why you're needing to help those people is because the people that are there actually lost their souls along the way and that's what your replicators spitting out. 
you know, and so now you've got this spoopy story that you put together through the whole thing, Uh, and it's a beautiful little romp, but it's one small adventure. Mm -hmm. And so it got us thinking about running tabletop role-playing games like that. Yeah. And and I say say thinking about it because, honestly, I've never done it before. I tried. I, I suck at it. I flat out suck at it. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, I think we'll we'll get to that a little bit yeah, later. I, I yeah. know that was, that was a talking point we actually put down on the show sheet is how for you as, and I suck at it. For as fast as we put this show sheet together because we know what we're doing, <laughs> we looked back at it and went, we do none of these things properly. <laughs> we, we all we all know how to do it. We can tell you how to do it and we suck at exactly. it. Exactly. So we, we are the cobblers who have the worst shoes. Uh-huh. We are the mechanics whose car has not had its oil changed we in are like the, four. 100,000 miles. We are the tech support specialist whose computer hasn't been upgraded in a year oh, and is riddled with bugs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm better than that, but, you know, I, I get it. I feel it. Uh-huh. Like, my hardware doesn't get upgraded nearly as quickly as it probably should, mm-hmm. you know, and we just, we handle the things we handle. And I think sometimes you, these kinds of moments where you where you look back at things that you probably should be doing at a simpler level help. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They really do. They we, really we, do. We, we talk about all the time how this show is just as much of a workshop and therapy for us as it oh, God, is yeah. for anybody who's gleaning, you know, gleaning insight from our, from our, uh, you know, as our, as our listeners. I'm just going to say they're learning from our follies. Yeah, well... <laughs> Somebody better. <laughs> but, but coming up with a show topic like this, or, you know, some, something that we don't personally excel at or personally really put to practice in our, in our own gaming, it helps us to at least walk through it and see the value in it. Exactly. So when we're talking about something that is episodic, we're talking about a concise story that is done in a very short period of time. Usually like a session, maybe two, but the idea is that your story is concise it's it's not part of the epic tale it's not going to be something that runs over multiple you know you know tens of scenes where you've got to get through all these things it is a simple adventure yeah yeah um look we mentioned a lot of a lot of tv shows follow this format so uh pretty much your star trek your stargate um Mm -hmm. burn notice i know was another one that that, that followed this it kind of had a meta plot that 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 went through the main the main Mm -hmm. thing but Every single episode was its own little plot. And TVs refined this really well, even from the 1950s, where you, where you, you know, where you had shows that were about a continuing story, you mm-hmm. know, a man has no wife, ends up adopting a, you know, niece because of situation, and now all of the adventures that go on with having that person in your home mm-hmm. and dealing with your daily life. Bewitched. I have a witchy wife. Weird things happen. But... There is still things that happen day to day, and that basically moved forward into what we have for our story writing that we show in in uh, in our episodic stuff today, even uh, beyond TV as we know it into Netflix and some of these other shows, you know, that are still following that same basic format. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, know? absolutely. I mean, I think the episodic the episodic format is is uh, immortal, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, because it makes for great TV watching, right? It makes for, and honestly, it makes for great storytelling in a sort of bite-sized um, format. Exactly, and that's I think one of the you know one of the bit the big reasons why you would want to do an episodic campaign. Is, I agree, uh, and we we kind of go through the pros and cons a little bit later, but um, but that's that I think is your big takeaway is mm-hmm. you're trying to make little popcorn stories. Yeah, that can easily be consumed in one setting, one bite. Yes, you know. Yes. Um. So 
why would you want to run this? Uh, I mean, as opposed to like a big campaign, like we usually, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done whole series of shows on world building mm-hmm. and how to make your, your whole world a living, breathing thing, how to construct big epic story arcs using the, uh, uh, the story, or the Dan Harmon story circle mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and here we are advocating for kind of throwing all of that like high concept stuff out and just bringing it down to the basics of here's an adventure, go on an adventure, resolve the adventure, we're done. Yeah, I, I think for me looking at it this way, it's a quick way for us to help new storytellers get in without having to do all of this you know, back-breaking work that comes into the creativity and design of creating these mm-hmm. environments and creating these themes and sticking to these things and making all these NPCs and building this meta plot that sits behind the epic campaign to make it work. But it also gives some of our more seasoned storytellers who are used to, you know, having their mind get pulled in a direction and then feed this, you know, Yggdrasil tree of a world that comes out of that one thought and bringing it back to one tendril of that and saying, okay, tell this story at this convention Mm -hmm. five times with different groups. Yeah. You know, um, or in a series of episodes, tell your tale, do it in only five. And that's, that's a work effort. That's a mental work effort to say, how do I tell this story in five steps? Oh yeah. You know, it, it's it really is a challenge. I'm uh I'm I'm doing an episodic series in my own game right now, and I'll tell you what writing those is, uh it's it's definitely a, a, a pretty big departure. Yeah, because I had all these things that I wanted to happen, and then I was like, I need I need to break this down to like three three episodes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, and and just getting used to the players travel somewhere, something happens, it is done. And and that's the basic of, of all good episodes is you go to some place, you finish what's there, you're prepared to move on to the next. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nice. It's it's bite-sized. It's simple. It's much more easy to step in and out of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, no- Nox has joined us in the, uh, in the live chat um, hey, and says, uh, I feel like you kind of have to downplay focus on individual players and their stories. And just treat them all more evenly as a team unit uh, in a more generic team storyline. Um, that's that's true, and it's also kind of not. Um, I agree. But you, I, I think what it is is you, you have to budget what you have room for in the mm-hmm. current story. Uh, and so if you're not pursuing a personal player's plot, then yeah treat them all kind of generically and have it as a team story. But I think if you are going to pursue like a personal character's plot, like, Hey, I want to track down the man who murdered my father or something like that. Um, that is the plot. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to break your mind just a little bit here. Okay. Again, I'm going to go back to the star Trek reference. Mm-hmm. The player's plot is the background theme. It is just happening. Mm-hmm. It is not the plot. It is not the challenge. It is not the conflict. It is the point by point. It, it's the travel. It's the we're going to Starbase Alpha to help them with new oh, supplies. Sure, sure, sure. Well, what, what I'm what I'm getting at is that okay, sure, stuff can happen along the way to count to hunt down Count Rugen. Correct. You know, and, and that's and that's great. The, the 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 we are on the quest to hunt down Count Rugen, and then weirdness happened. Correct. But the 
weirdness doesn't necessarily happen because of Count Rugen. Correct. And correct. the weirdness and Count Rugen are not going to happen at the same time. That is you correct. You don't have enough room in your plot for right. that. A good example uh, is if you looked at, uh, and this is this is almost a fantasy RPG kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, Man in the Iron Mask, Disney edition, mm-hmm. um, the brother who's trying to get revenge for the whole damn movie is literally D'Artagnan's background. That's his backstory. He is... You mean Three Musketeers? Three Musketeers. I'm sorry. My brain went terrible there for a second. Um, So the entire story, they reinsert at multiple times, but have nothing to do with Uh the main plot and the situations that are occurring. So you can literally do... you, You can insert things like that. Now, granted... It's ridiculously tropey. It's easy to follow. You know, this person just keeps inserting themselves into existence, and you're like, "Oh my god, this guy just wants to duel me." Please, can we just can we move on? Yeah, <laughs> you but, know, by the end of it. But but things like that are great, though, and and, and yeah. I think you know it's it's kind of kind of shows how you can do a meta plot in a uh you know in an episodic format where yeah sure every single one of your plots is bite sized and such like that. But like um I'm a, I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I, what you were just saying about uh, about D'Artagnan's um, uh, antagonist there is uh reminds me of Ultros from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Uh he is a character who it feels like they wanted to have a recurring villain. He has nothing to do with the greater plot or anything like that, but it's just whenever they said, "Hey, we need a boss battle here," but there's no real like <laughs> reason for reason to have a boss but like there's no there's no big bad guy who was orchestrating any of the trouble here right 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 so they throw ultros in and ultros is just this giant like antagonistic squid um who's got a real chip on his shoulder and yeah so he pops up you beat him he runs off and then like halfway through the game you're in this opera house and you're doing this thing with this opera and then all of a sudden ultros just shows up and it's just like i'm gonna screw with you guys now yeah and you're like why are you even here right now you have well, nothing I mean, to do with the plot and we've talked about you know when villains insert themselves yeah. into the plot again that's another way of doing it but it's but it's great because because you you still get the continuation you right. still get that feeling of continuation right that you would want from a larger meta plot from a, a, a more you know epic sort of campaign right but you get to use them in an episodic sense which is wonderful you beat the villain he goes away he comes back five episodes later to screw with you again exactly you know so so what we're talking about is not the background not the beat of the story and and that really could be anything that is your world that's the feeling that sits behind it so always remember that your players are going to be doing something mm-hmm. they're going to be traveling they're going to be coming back to the inn there's going to be someone in town asking them for something and i'll use the term banal but it's really not it mm-hmm. could be anything it could be it could be hey we've got these problems with goblins you know can you go take care of this that's what they think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then this is the design for an episode. That sits in the background. That is there. It is still there in the background, but there is this other thing that makes the episode happen. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Right. And All we're right. going to try and frame that as best we can. So, how do we do an episodic game by the numbers? What are the core things we need? When I first started uh, writing up the show sheet, we literally wrote in parallel. Uh-huh. And I wrote up my ideas, and you wrote up yours, and we literally came in line with each other, but I liked the the way you created a concise look to it. So I, I, I will follow your initial lead and then inject. All right. So we're looking for four things. 
in an episode. Four things. Okay, every single episode is going to have four things. It's going to have a beginning. It's going to have a twist. It's going to have a conflict. And it's going to have a resolution. That is it. Simple. all you have room for in an episode. Right. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. The beginning. Yeah. Um, like we were just saying, characters are introduced to the conflict of the episode. Correct. So that could be they're hired for a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are asked for aid by an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, they discover something strange or dangerous that bears further investigation yeah. or resolution. Yep. Um, Etc. There's a this number of presents reasons. the opening of the gambit. Now, the way I look at this is that when you're starting with the challenge, the challenge is the legitimate challenge. What the players are going to be challenged with. This does not necessarily mean that there isn't like some progress that has to occur. I.e., uh, the players are are are. You literally start the players off with, it is early in the morning, you've loaded up the cart because you agreed to help this caravan transfer goods. In return, they will cart your gear and, you know, other things to this other town that you've been wanting to go to anyways. So the group's already knows they're already helping this caravan. They're mm-hmm. guarding it, whatever. Early that morning, you catch a small bit of smoke on the side of the road. Okay, so now we know there's something odd going on. Right. So there's two pieces here that we're talking about. There's no conflict with what they're doing, with the active thing that's happening. We're we're traveling. The conflict is being described, and it needs to be straightforward. It needs to be in the description. There needs to be a definition of what they're doing at the beginning of the story to keep that going. The second is, is that you need to keep what is being presented in a simple, straightforward format. Either it is presented by a key NPC that they recognize, identify, and can trust, um, or it's been given in a very valid, clean description. You find a body of a guard. The guard has been ravished, and is it seems almost as if a monster tore him limb from limb. You know, okay, some a monster has torn him from limb. Okay, so now we have an, a clear definition of what's yep. going on. Yep. So. The the way that you do this is you're you're very quickly defining what the problem is and how it's coming about, regardless of what the feathering is behind it, whether mm-hmm. you know, whether they're traveling or doing whatever. That should always just be up, hey, you know, we do have to get these people someplace else, so that's a concern, but this is our problem. Yes. Yes. So uh, Knox actually asked a really great question in the live chat. Um, sure. How do you know? Uh, you know how some books start in the middle of a combat scene. Can you do this with a one shot game? One hundred percent. So what you're referring to is a uh, uh, storytelling technique called in media res. Yes. Um, in media res basically means in the middle of action. Um, and uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's a great way of establishing the conflict um, by simply saying, "Okay, so there you are fighting the ogres." And in that one sentence right there, you've already established that there is a conflict versus – the conflict is you versus the ogres. Obviously, the ogres are the bad guys, et cetera, et cetera, and you can go from there. Um, it's a great way to kickstart the action of a scene. And it doesn't necessarily have to be we're – not, we're not saying in media res is always conflict. Um, but it helps having them well, preset – Well, in the middle, middle of action, yeah. There, Correct. There's action. And, and there's different types of action. On the high seas in a storm mm-hmm. is is a form of action. They have to do something actively to handle the situation. A chase scene. A chase scene is another perfect example yes. of it. Um, being bombarded mm-hmm. is another one where you're taking cover. You're not actively fighting in the thing, but there's problems going on. <laughs> but they're trying to fight you. Yeah, you know. Um, 
some in media res uh, say that a an awakening is a way to handle that too, where maybe a few of the players are involved, but some of the other ones are awakening to it, mm-hmm. um, are just coming to terms with it, and so they may be separated slightly or handling the situation. And sometimes that's good when you have a party that's slightly broken apart. You can explain when someone's entering, maybe they're being chased, and the others are waiting, you know, mm-hmm. in ambush or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're presetting the situation. You're g- maybe giving them an advantage or giving them a disadvantage at the situation. But either way, they're in the heart of action immediately. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a great way if you've gone from a soft story, maybe your previous story was a, a social engagement or something like that, and you want to liven up your next adventure, mm-hmm. start in media res, do it. Uh, it's it's also great for um, uh, if you need to feather your story into something that that is larger than you have a, than you have time to to tell. Mm-hmm. Start already halfway through. Yep. Okay, so uh, you begin the story. SG one and SG six are on a planet. Yep, they are under fire from Gwaul Jaffa and, and Jaffa. Yeah, uh, and you know uh, you're just barely able to flee back through the Stargate, um, and SG six does not make it. They get cut off. Immediately, you know your hook is you have to go back to that planet and rescue SG Six. Yep. Uh, Overwatch brings up the fact that it's cold open. Yes, I think that is uh, cold open goes a little wider than mm-hmm. just a, an in media res. But yeah, I, I I agree. The the cold open gives might still give you a moment of pause, letting it not be necessary action because the main characters are already or the active characters are already in a point of rest at mm-hmm. the end of the cold open so they can make a decision versus putting them in conflict yes so yes um so we have our opening we are establishing the focus very tightly we're mm-hmm. not including extravagant parts of the world we don't need to give that kind of description for these kind of situations we then step into the twist. The twist, right. Which uh, is where you have your danger, your conflict, your problem. What is the challenge that is in an unexpected way handling or, or, or being handed? Right. So uh, no no episode uh, do you ever start off with, we need to rescue you know, S- uh, Stargate Team 6. And uh, is it just go in, fight some bad guys and get them and get out? There's always a complication that goes on, and that's where the twist comes in. You think you're going to go in and just fight some guys and rescue them, but it turns out maybe one of them has been taken captive and moved somewhere. So the fight isn't going to take place where you thought it was. Right. So there's an extra stage where you have to discover that. Correct. Uh, maybe there are um, innocent people involved. Mm-hmm. So now instead of it just being a knockdown, drag out fight, now you've got to figure out how you're going to do this without hurting any innocent lives. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So the twist is the part in the story that happens probably about 15 minutes into uh, into a typical TV episode. I would say if I was going to be doing it in a story, the twist should be should come within the next scene or so. Um, so that your players, they have their opening scene, mm-hmm. they have a gathering scene where maybe they they gather some information, they move into it and feel that they're engaged, and then the twist presents itself. Right, right. You they, want they, that They prepare for action, they move into action, and once they arrive at where they think the action is going to be, they find it's different Correct. in some way. 
Correct. So you don't want to you don't want this to be four scenes in, and you're you're prepared that it's at this scene. Bring it back. Bring it back. Mm -hmm. You want to keep this as tight as possible in that. And again, when I'm using scenes, I'm talking about change of scene, change of location, change of pace. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that we've twisted the story on them, and now that the conflict is a different conflict than they thought they were going to be going into, we actually have that conflict. Okay. Mm -hmm. One twist. Yep. That's it. Yep. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, so we find out there are maybe innocent bystanders that we're now going to need to be very careful of in this fight. Yep. Okay, cool. We re we take some time to reassess. Now we move into the conflict. Um, pretty self-explanatory. You fight the bad guy. You fix the problem. You rescue the victims. You, you escape safely. You, you know. do whatever it is that the conflict was set out to do. And you... You let the players complete the conflict. You don't extend the conflict. You don't push it out beyond a certain point. You d you want that conflict to be concise. And this is where, um, especially if you're doing something in an episodic sense, that you, you are prepared to curtail the conflict. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing players want is a two-hour combat phase. Mm -hmm. If you can get that combat phase where everyone gets their licks in and feels good about it, and it ends in an hour... You're doing great, or less. Oh, yeah. Like, especially if it's a grand combat. Again, nothing should... If your actions with your players are taking... You know, because the players are taking too long, that's one thing. But if you as the storyteller have, you know, 30 combatants fighting them, and you're eating up most of that time, they are not enjoying themselves. Okay. You are okay. really not enjoying yourself. So... Um, and, uh, keep in mind too, that, you know, once again, conflict does not have to be a fight. Not at all. Uh, conflict can be social conflict. Conflict can be a stealth mission, mm -hmm. uh, where you're sneak, you know, sneaking something out. It could be a heist. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but whatever the, um, the challenge presented to them at the beginning of the episode is, this is where they are resolving said challenge. This is their victory condition, essentially. Yep. This is this is the binding that brings the background and that foreground conflict and the twist all together in one little knot. Right. So that they feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do want to kind of reiterate on you know, on your whole like um, be prepared to be done yeah. with a challenge. Yeah. Uh, this might mean like you you know you kill people a lot earlier than you know than than their hit points say you should. They run away. Or they, they get knocked out. Right. You know those types of things. Let 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 nature have a course let it be a little tropey because mm -hmm. that feels good yeah exactly i mean it, it feels I, I would say it feels just as good probably possibly even better to rout a, an enemy mm -hmm. you know a, a larger force than to kill them to their last man correct you know you you kill maybe four of them and then the other eight flee yeah seeing how quickly that battle went or they quickly take out the boss and the mage and now it's just a bunch of scrappers and they literally just throw down their weapons they're like we we, we just followed that guy because he was a big badass and always remember have your villains try to flee yes if they can because that means you can bring them back in a future episode you, use the other people to defend them throw bodies and, and man, just get them out of there people love recurring villains mm -hmm. people love recurring villains so um, all right. And then you've got your resolution. Yep. Uh, now that the conflict is resolved, you're going to return home as victors. Um, the positive outcome is clarified. Yes. Okay. So rescued people are going to give thanks. Um, this is a scene where, you know, like, okay, so you've, you've gone, you've rescued Stargate Team 6, you know, SG6. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the scene where you're all back at Stargate Command mm -hmm. and they're going, wow, you guys really pulled our bacon out of the fire. I don't know what we'd have done without you, and you all have that celebratory drink in the mess hall. Yep. 
or the tavern or and this whatever. is this is also where like Knox was saying like we're not forgoing the person's background so maybe at the beginning of this the lieutenant on you know SG6 didn't like your character because he didn't like the way you followed command orders and you know thinks you would have just left people behind cuz that's the right thing to do mm-hmm. and then you return you get him you bring him back and he's like I'll buy the first round. Now I feel differently about yeah. you. You've changed my perspective, and now we have a change in relationship that I'm acknowledging. Exactly. We are friends now. Yep. You know, maybe not in so so awkward and obvious of terms, but right. you know, yep. the the guy you've been a rival with, and maybe maybe that's your twist. Maybe it's you've got to go rescue somebody. Okay. Well, who are we rescuing? That guy you hate. Yeah. Ah, uh, gosh darn it. And then maybe your reward for that is he no longer hates you. Exactly. You know. And. Keep in mind that the return, uh, if you're following the story circle design, the return is always the return to the comfortable place, but not necessarily comfort. Yeah. Especially if if there has been a change. If you've done it right, and at the end there is a change that, and that change is the players are changed, or their minds are slightly changed. I think (coughs) one of the good examples was in uh, Dragon Heist. You were talking about how you returned back to your inn with a different mind frame and, and the place was different. You know, the mm-hmm. windows were blown out in front and you were going to have to repair them. Yeah. You know, you had, you, you had cleanup to do and you were, you're, you're trying to figure out like, okay, well now we know all these other people are involved and you're kind of looking around the space like, okay, this is a different world that we live in. And right. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm glad we have new information. We have a much firmer grasp yep. on what the heck is going on. But we have a lot of glass to sweep up, and we just found out we have about four more enemies than we thought we did. Right. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's where um, that's where we we want that return. We want that mm-hmm. return, and we want the players to take that breath and recognize. And that's when you know you are moving forward with your players. That's what that's that moment when you feel like, yeah, I told a story, and they felt it. Uh huh. You know, um, a lot of people uh, that I've been reading about put it under the same as like when you listen to a song and you get to the end of it and you feel something mm-hmm. you you feel that completion of the song that's the kind of feeling that you you, you get at the end of those kind of moments absolutely absolutely and close the last scene and leave cliffhangers for special occasions yeah um don't in an episodic game you're not trying to constantly do the whole to be continued mm-hmm. thing it's Leave that one for some special occasions. Yeah. I mean, if you are doing, if you're doing something like adventure and you have a regular group who are very diligent, but mm-hmm. you still want to run things in an episodic way, there's no reason why you can't f- flower up the ending, you know, at, that they've returned and that, you know, there's still danger in the hills kind of a thing. Yeah, but that's, but that's not a cliffhanger. Correct. That's what we're saying. Is that's like, just, a, just our intrepid hero's work is never done. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so... With those in mind, there are some pros and cons to doing episodic stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. It's 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 a it's a flavor. It's not a it's not a good or a bad thing necessarily, but it's a flavor. And I highly recommend trying it. I really do. It is it is challenging if you've been doing games for a while. Mm-hmm. If you're starting something new, f- take your time to figure it out and try it because it can be very rewarding. Agreed. Agreed. Um. Attendance is one of the pros about this is because if you do have players who are not really great at attendance, but you have a decent number, at least, you know, three or four who make it on a regular basis, episodes is a great way to go because you can very easily sidestep someone for one episode or two. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because everything has a a, a, uh, solid beginning and end to it. 
in an episodic format. They just aren't in that episode. Yep. Um, they're, they remain at base or they just got something else going on, whatever, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter, but you're not going to have to begin next game thinking, well, shoot, how are we going to shoehorn you in here? Cause all of a sudden you're in the middle of a dungeon and you weren't here before. Yeah. You know, exactly. Um, and episodic's great for that. Uh, I know, uh, some people have actually tried to do the thing where like they invite seven or eight people to their game knowing that only about five or six of them would be, or, you know, four or five of them would be able to show up at any given point. Yeah. And then they run that episodic. I mean, it's definitely a way to go. It's a way to I, go. I don't know if I would do that myself. Because I, what if everybody said yes? Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets for a very hard episode yeah. then. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that you don't have to tell an epic story. You don't have to fill in the gaps and make the maps and, and create a world. You can literally start your world with, like, maybe a, five mile view and a 5,000 foot view of Mm -hmm. what the mountains look like and and where certain general things are about your world. You can keep it very simple. Even more than that, you know, if you follow something like Stargate or Star Trek's format, Mm -hmm. you have an adventuring format. Right. Where you don't even have to establish a world. Nope. You literally just make up everything new completely for the next thing. Like, okay, what are we doing on, on this episode of Stargate? We're going to a completely new world you've never seen before that I've made up off the fly. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a scene in the woods. There's going to be a scene in a building. There's going to be a scene at a factory. Yep. Done. Yep. You know? Simple w- as Where that. are these things? Where do they fit in the world? Who knows? Who cares? You're not going to get there. Yep. And yep. then you're going to come back through the Stargate to your home base at the end of the day. Boom. Done. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, how's our Star Trek adventure going? Well, I don't know. We're out in deep space somewhere. Yeah. Although, if that's not something that you're comfortable with, there's nothing that says that you can't grab a predetermined map, mm-hmm. put in a couple of, of, of districts, that it, general districts and their feelings, and you're done. There's your whole world is one city. Yep. If you go outside of that city, you don't know. Those people don't necessarily know what's there. Mm-hmm. And so there could be farms, there could be mines, there could be caves, there could be whatever. And, it, and all of that becomes your world's. That you're heading out to. Yep. Um, same goes for stuff like Shadowrun. Like, the, n- not everyone knows every nook and cranny. They know the generalities, and that's about it. Yeah. So stick with the generals. Yep. Make it easy. Um, the other thing is that it makes it a very fast-paced story, because uh, you're, you're not just sitting around. This is what I love, because mm-hmm. there, there's there's so many so many times in, like, your, your big epic story games where, you know, players get lost. Like, I get lost. I get lost in your game. Yeah, you know, I, and, and I'm it, sorry for that. Sometimes. No, 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 no. It's it's. It, look, I I acknowledge this, and I've I've said this several times. The thing is, is that it's not. This is not a you thing. That's a me thing. I have trouble f- following big, spiraling, interwoven, web weaved plots. Um, and that's what you write, and that's fine. I'm having fun along the way, but I will need someone else to take notes for me and tell me like, oh no, no, no. That's the guy who has the ancient tome of the blah, 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 who was connected to this other guy who we met in that other town and had a conversation about him with that other guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? You're not doing any of that stuff <laughs> in an episodic campaign. You not at ta- all. You don't have time for it. Nope. You have you have a conflict and resolution. Boom. But I will say that in an episodic format, you can have imp- individual important people mm-hmm. 
that seem way more important later on. For instance, if, you know, one of your first or second campaigns is helping out some guards and, you know, you, you talk about the heraldry and stuff that they've had and maybe one of your players ends up getting one of their shields as like a gift, you know, because they did so well. And then five or six episodes later, you find a body of one of those guards mm -hmm. somewhere well out of place that where they would normally not be. Now it has an impact. Now sure. there's there's some residual memory there. There's like, oh, isn't this this guy's stuff? So you can your your props and things that you bring to the game become more meaningful. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, there's less of them. But in but in each game session, you know what you're going to get. Exactly. You exactly. know you're going to get you're going to get something presented to you. You're going to solve that problem. That problem may not be what you think it is originally, yep. but you're going to resolve it by the end of the day, and yep. you're going home. Yep. You know, you're guaranteed a portion of action. Yep. That fits tidily on your plate. The bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. So since each session has to have a setup, twist, conflict, and resolution, um, you you got to be done by the end of your game. Uh, it can make things feel a little bit rushed and shallow. Uh, if you are a player who does like the big sprawling epic, um, episodic campaigns can can feel too bite sized, too prepackaged, too formulaic. You know, um, so that's that's something to watch out for. Yeah, it, it one of the points that uh, Knox just brought out um, in live chat is that it really doesn't lend well to people who like playing and I'll, I'll use this in the nicest way because it's kind of cute, the Stardew Valley of RPG, mm -hmm. where you're doing the other tasks are kind of enjoyable. Chatting with other people, figuring out what's going on with little side things. Yep. Um, it's not to say that you can't incorporate that into those episode, episodic games if that's what your group is doing. Mm -hmm. It's making that part of the story that becomes start of becomes a new creative challenge yeah. for you. You got a budget for it because the moment your players decide they're going to have a two hour conversation with an NPC, it throws off your entire pacing. It does. And now suddenly you're scrambling to get that resolution done by the end of the night, and then you're not going to get a a, a good. And Conflict the, the con there is that some of your players may not like this format. Mm -hmm. It may be too fast, too direct, almost railroaded in a way. Yeah. And you have to be aware that if that's not working for your group or not working for you as a storyteller, don't use the format. Try it. See what, what works for you about it. Mm -hmm. You never know what you might get, and you may find that it's just not for you. Uh, I think one of my, my biggest cons is uh, suspense is very difficult to inject since the plot resolves so quickly. Mm, agreed um there's very rarely a moment where you're like man we've been chewing on this mystery for like weeks N no you chew on the mystery for about 45 minutes and then yeah. we're resolving it yep. you know um cliffhangers can help a little bit but those should be rare in this situations so agreed. you put too many cliffhangers you're just running an epic campaign yep you know the only cliffhanger that i would say that you continue on any of these kinds of adventures is the getaway Mm -hmm. The boss getting away and cackling as he runs, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, that's a, I don't know if that's really a. That's not really. It's a not cliffhanger, a cliffhanger, but it's a carry on. Yeah, it's 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 that you you know it's resolved because the the villain is gone, the villain mm -hmm. is thwarted, right? But the villain is not defeated in a meaningful way that you know you're not going to see him again. Correct, correct. Um, but it's and straight up, it can be very difficult to write. Yeah. It, as much as we. We painted it in a very clean format. It is very easy to write outside and draw outside those lines and just keep right on going. I do it. 
I I am 100% a culprit for it. Yep. Sarah says it all the time. I'm I'm awful. I'm awful at it myself. I I I am very good like you said at at a very clean, you know, straightforward story myself. Yeah. But my stories are large. Yeah. They're they're clean, but they're large. Your worlds are very large. Yeah. Yeah. Your your stories are very directed, but your worlds are very large. And I think that's the difference is, is that I tend to throw a a relatively simplistic world, but with lots of large people mm-hmm. to keep track and moving parts. So it's it's two very different game styles mm-hmm. and two very different storytelling and descriptive styles because I tend to let my players discover things. You tend to, uh, and I tend to be more cinematic in my scenes where that's difficult to do in a short romp. Mm-hmm. I really can't do that very you know, well. You have the room for theatrics. Um, but I can drop people into situations, which kind of gives me that feeling again. Mm-hmm. So there's a place for it. Um, but I also tend to let my players run a little. Yeah. And that, that in that regard. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you, you got a, you got a couple of players at your table who like to run, though. That's true. That is true. They need to stretch their, stretch their RP legs every so and then. Yes. All right, you want to do some questions? Of course. All right. I've got two very good questions today. Yes. Uh, so Knox in the Box asks, uh, Do you feel, as I do, that writing proper episodic sessions is an exercise in both structure and time management? If so, what were some of the most helpful methods you've learned for either of those skills? Um, First off, yes, absolutely. It is a... Exercise. exercise in both structure and time management. It is, in fact, probably the most important skill for writing episodic content. Yeah, I mean, if you can get down to writing episodic content and in re- and getting everything you want done in five scenes, five or six scenes, mm-hmm. you are doing very well. Yeah, I think the other side of that is recognizing your players' movement. Yep, what they're comfortable with, what they enjoy, and being able to move them from scene to scene quickly but without it feeling fast i think that's the hard that that's the second hard hard part about it because if you can get through an episode in i'm going to be real safe here six hours Mm -hmm. you know a full story that's great it's these people who do it at conventions in two Oh, God, I can't even imagine. I, I've seen it done. It's well done. Again, these aren't deep, meaningful moments. You're thrown right in, and you roll right through it. Critical Role has run a number of one-shots that I've watched, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, four, four hours, yep. and they tell a complete story with combat scenes and everything, and I'm like, yep. what, how? It's, tell me your secrets. The secret comes in, the compar- in working with your players, knowing that that's the way the story is going to go and getting comfortable with that. So it's not just a time management for the DM but and storyteller. It's a time management of knowing your players and working with those heartbeats and knowing when you need to cut things shorter mm-hmm. to be able to still make it all work. Yeah. Um, skills. Um, keeping notes on what's successful. I think that was the biggest thing for me is knowing what to what to work with with my players and what to stay away from. Mm-hmm. You know, curbing what I give my players who want to go run, but handing them golden apples of of what I need them to run for at just the right times and feeling that those plots work those those parts of the episode work very well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh currently I'm running uh an episodic uh uh uh, uh 
segue to my campaign right very now. Very much so. You're doing great. Um, and uh, I, it's it's actually I think at the at the end of the at the end of my last game, um, uh, I got accomplished everything I wanted to get accomplished exactly in the time I had budgeted mm-hmm. it for, mm-hmm. and I just had to like just just. Just fist pump into you the did. air. Just yeah. Just punch the air. It feels good because uh, it felt great. Um, and yeah, I think I think most of it came down to just knowing um, how long certain scenes were going to take, and just saying like, I have to budget half of my time for this combat scene, straight up, because combat drags and people are still fumbling around with uh, foundry vtt mm-hmm. we're getting better every time but yep. there's still a lot of a lot of learning curves and technological things where ah, i clicked it and my dice aren't rolling it well i don't know why your dice aren't rolling did you click this did you click that you know knowing it budgeting for that yeah um knowing that uh there's certain information i have to drop to try to lead them in a certain you know certain direction and mm-hmm. stuff of like that and knowing how long it may take them to follow those breadcrumbs to the next plot point. You know? No, I, I think the VTT and, and the technology curve is a big part of that, mm-hmm. is that um, being prepared and making sure that your players have all the tools they need and are comfortable with those tools before you get started yeah. and making that feel like it's easy mm-hmm. is is one of the biggest things that, that you forget about as a storyteller because you're preparing your own stuff. You're not thinking that maybe your players don't have their dice or maybe aren't logged in properly or can't move their stuff. So having that kind of flushed out ahead of time really helps me. And it's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I said. So, you know, getting all those pieces out, making sure that you're prepared and that your players are prepared at the same time. And, uh, you know, and this kind of goes for for virtual gaming, but also very much for um, in-person gaming, if you are... Uh, using things like maps with terrain and miniatures and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I, I'm, I'm a big person for, you know, for, oh, yeah. for that. Uh, you know, Critical Role does that all the time. They got really, mm-hmm. really elaborate maps and stuff like that that Matt puts together. Um, if that's your style of game, um, especially with, with an episodic, since you know what your conflict is going to be, mm-hmm. and there isn't a lot of room in the plot to kind of circumvent that conflict or or alter it in any meaningful way, have your stuff prepped ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you're if you're using a physical map, have it built. Have your terrain laid out and stuff like that. Um, have it set aside mm-hmm. so that when that time comes, you just bring it out. You just bring it out from the other room, from the bedroom or whatever the closet, and mm-hmm. just pop it on the table. Boom, yep. done. done. Um, if you're vir- uh, uh, using like Foundry VTT or another virtual tabletop, um, have your enemy tokens placed on it already. Yep. Have their initiative rolled. Already, that's a huge step that you can do with certain with certain engines. Um, and uh, even like, especially if you've got like you know eight zombies and four necromancers or something like that, mm-hmm. roll them as a group. Yep. Four zombies here, four zombies there. The necromancers all go at the same time. Yep. You've got three combat phases then instead of twelve. And then just also be prepared to roll back their hit points. Uh huh. The players don't know. Yeah. And there's no reasons why those pop those zombies can't pop with a single hit. In fact, Nox made a, made a comment earlier. It says, uh, "Don't use anything that will keep getting back up." Uh, your major conflicts the last two fights have been against zombies. Those have a mechanic where if you if you ki- don't kill them in certain ways, mm-hmm. they may make a constitution save and get back up. Yep. Guess what I haven't done once? Because it was unnecessary. Uh, unnecessary. Yep. You guys beat some zombies. They're, they're yep. not major villains. They don't need to get back up. Like, yep. You know. 
I'm going to move on to uh, Matt Al's question. Okay. So we can get that in tonight. Uh, yeah. What are some pre-made episodic games like Lady Blackbird um, that you would suggest for the uh, uh, for a seasoned storyteller or a new storyteller? Um, I actually remember vaguely playing Lady Blackbird. It's something I forgot the name of for the longest time. I've actually brought it up a few times and just can't rem- couldn't remember the name of it. I know. I, re- I read the question and I was like, oh, yeah, Lady Blackbird is a thing that exists. And I couldn't tell you a darn thing about yep, it after that. Yep. And for me, it was, oh, that's the name of it. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Lady Blackbird is a uh, small PDF that has pre-generated characters, a very small, simple world design and you are literally thrown in as your characters into a scenario where basically you're on an airship that was uh that is carting your butt someplace else and it has already been taken over by an invading force and you are in the brig and they are literally scanning your credentials for the ship and you know they will find out that it's an you know it's an ex-military ship that was stolen Mm -hmm. and so you have a very short period of time to handle that situation and get away that that's the story that's it that's that's your episode it is already handed to you crafted and you're left in your first scene which is the brig oh that would also be in media res there you go Uh. so um there are other ones out there um that i've looked through there's a warhammer most of them are quick starts uh like D has a quick start um there's a warhammer 40k quick start i can't i can't think of the name of it right now um and there's a uh, Starfinder Quick Start and a uh, Star Wars Quick Start mm-hmm. that are all all have pre-generated characters that automatically start in media res. Yep. Like you're you're right in the story. You're not a first level character. You're 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 a second or third level character. You already have all your stats and everything. There's very little room for you to to really change up the character so much, but you still have a personality to bring to their history and what their goals are. Uh, one of the one of the the uh, episodic um, games that are that are pre made like that that uh, that I've I've actually had my eye on for a little bit. There's an Aliens RPG that was yeah. put out. I, I saw that. Um, and they've got a, a, a handful of adventures. One, one of them's called Char- uh, Chariot of the Gods, I think it was, um, or Cr- Cradle of the Gods. Uh, and uh, but anyways, it's it's got a whole mechanic. Like I, I started watching some of the, some of the mechanics for how the game is played and stuff like that, and it's really cool. Um, kind of wanted to give it a try, but again, I think I think very much like Dread. I'm not sure that my current gaming group is the right gaming group to get this done with. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you know a high stress game like Aliens is not going to be. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're maybe not on the spoopy side of of, of games, but uh, uh, it looked great. It's it's pretty new. Um, it's got pre-generated characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember who does that one. I don't think it was Fantasy Flight, but it seems like something Fantasy Flight would do. It could be. It could be. Um, we'll look into I would, it. I would, I would give that a look though. Yeah. Um, if, especially if you're, if you're into sort of creepier games. Yeah. For me, I think, um, I, out of the interest of, of simple games, um, or, or pre-generated games, I'm not going to say that they're simple, um, I would probably lean away from the uh, pre-generated um, quick starts because you still have to learn all of the rules for most of the games. Um, but honestly, any of them are a great place to start as a new role, as a new game master. As an existing game master, challenge yourself. 
put yourself into a totally different system. Put yourself into something that's fresh and light, like Lady Blackbird, with your group. Put it in between uh, your existing campaign and your next campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, grab one of them up and just try it. You know, giving your players the flexibility to to not have to think about character creation and just quickly glance at rules and say, yeah, we could try this and roll into it. You never know what they might enjoy. Um, as a player, I would say step into these roles. Just because you're not creating the character whole cloth doesn't mean you can't bring a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd be surprised what you can bring when you're when when your focus is narrowed only on certain things that you can change. So if I if only I'm bringing all I'm bringing is personality and a voice to a character, I can do quite a bit with that because that's that's acting. That's true stage acting. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's 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 a really great advantage to already having those characters written out for you and their plot and their reactions and all that jazz, all the the information they they'll be giving you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know the, the conflicts you'll get into, maps of dungeons, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a real value in having all that, and all you've got to do is read over it and figure out what the motivations of those people are yep. so that you can bring them to life when you're, when your characters interact with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm as much as I just talked that up though, I am going to kind of go on the flip side and I'm just going to say that, um, you know, you're, you're asking about pre-made episodic games that I would suggest. Um, and honestly, and, and this is a stylistic thing. This isn't saying that anything is wrong with pre-made, you know, episodic games, but I think both pre-made and episodic are countercurrent to my particular gaming style. I would agree. Um, and so I, I actually had a hard time with this question because I don't know that I would suggest a pre-made episodic game to anybody simply because I don't generally enjoy either of those things. And so having them both in the same game is something that I, I think would would turn me off about it i'm not saying i couldn't have fun with it mm -hmm. but like when i'm reaching for a game saying like okay we've got you know one one night to to play this game what are we going to play that's going to be the last thing i'm going to reach for fair enough fair enough and it's good that you can say that about yourself and have that kind of confidence as a storyteller after all these years oh yeah sure sure um but i think at the same time if like we were all somewhere and I said, hey, guys, I want to run something. And I've, still got, I've got my bag of dice with me. Uh, you guys up for running this, you know, Lady Blackbird thing tonight? You know, who's in? And a bunch of people are like, yeah, I could do this. I could do this. I, I think you would sit down and play. Of course I would. Yeah. Of course I would. Be, be, well, because, I mean, there's there's more there's more to it than goes the, the, that goes into it than just the game. Well, know? but the point that I was getting to is I think our perspectives as storytellers and our perspectives of players of what we play are different. Yeah. And it, it's it's what makes it unique from both sides of the table. And mm -hmm. you've got to keep that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time thinking of other pre-gen games. Although I remember a bunch of them in the past, I have forgotten most of them uh, since the heydays of, of I want to say, like, late 90s is really when I remember them all starting to come out in little paperback forms and things like that. And people were just producing a ton of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember a bunch of them really stunk, but oh, they've yeah. gotten so much better. There's so many and they all, it what's funny is a lot of them I feel have, have moved into the genre of apocalypse, apocalypse games where it's a simpler rule set, a, mm -hmm. a less, a less overly defined rule set uh, and, and in a macro and more of storytelling. And they just give you a much 
a cleaner way of handling that and allows a little more world design. Oh, yeah. No, it's, abs- it's neat how they've evolved into that. Because reading over Lady Blackbird again, I was like, this is City of Mist in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a flavor of it. I, I think, um, you know, is I, where, uh, you know, the world gets smaller with mm-hmm. the advent of, you know, the internet and stuff of like that and the, the, the how oh, we're living in the information age now. Yeah. Um, we're finding that, uh, you know, quick, quick start rules and, you know, easily a lo- low barrier of entry games mm-hmm. are really the fad because people don't have the time or the desire to dig through a 300 page rule book, learning the intricacies of how to reload a firearm right over six turns with four dice rolls you know exactly um they they just they just want to have some some fun adventures you know yes and like you even see that reflected in dungeons and dragons you know fifth edition dungeons and dragons is so much more simplified than third edition than second edition second and it was third edition was a was was a huge refinement of of second edition agreed i mean pathfinder the whole d20 system in general Mm -hmm. like every time we take a step we're taking a step in refinement and almost a step in speed yeah so and uh i i so i i recognize that and i i think it's i think it's great um i think there's a lot of there's a lot of really great games out there uh and we talked about wrnm yep uh last uh was a week ago two two weeks ago um i mean you can put your entire character sheet on a uh on a post-it note pretty much yeah so yeah yeah oh by the way thanks to overwatch i'll get that posted in the uh if you want to post that in the links chat as well uh for the group that'd be fantastic oh uh, yeah the alien rpg starter set uh from free league free league yeah yes. they they do quite a bit i would highly recommend running over to free league actually Thank and looking at some of their other stuff um so next week we are going to be bringing up the topic of open worlds and simple plots so uh, think about what you're thinking about in this is uh, video games often offer these like The Witcher and um, Wildlands, which we play, where mm-hmm. you have this very large scale world that is developed and there's individuals and it's got life and everything else and you can see it and walk through it. But the plot is already painted out and very simple. Mm-hmm. It's all these little episodes that are going to be attached to it. So mm-hmm. now we're going to take that episodic and kind of bring it back to this open world, and we're going to kind of look into what games can teach us about narratives, yeah, yeah, and and where they can lead. So, um, I'm actually hoping to maybe do something in the future with that as well. Okay, do some game teardowns actually, because I think it might be kind of fun to go into that a bit more. Yeah, we um. I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but uh, we we've we've been there. There's been uh, some meetings, yes, that have been having. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Think that the ball has begun rolling on uh, uh, some more things. So uh, we're we're hoping this is not going to be a, a tomorrow thing or anything like that. But we're hoping to kind of enhance the content that we're able to provide for for you guys. Maybe put some uh, some value behind uh, our Patreon subscribers and such like that. Yeah. Um, and so uh 2021 is going to be a little different from us so yeah, we're gonna... yeah keep keep your eyes open you might see some some good new things coming along we're going to keep our format don't don't feel that we're not going to keep doing wednesdays and and have our discord that's all staying this is all <laughs> going on top of that 2019 was all about okay are we actually going to do the podcast <laughs> thing or what like is this going to die in five episodes or are we going to keep it up all right 2020 was all about uh are we going to now that we've got our feet under us, and 2021's about growth. Yep. 
Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, on MixLR uh, every Wednesday night live. Listen to us um, at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And you can find us on Discord. Uh, the link is in our Twitter as well as up on our website at StorytellerConclave.net. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Spark of Motion, and now Veteran. We appreciate all of you and the help that uh, you give us in making this show happen every single Wednesday. Uh, if you listen to our pre-show, you heard Arcane Anthems. I highly recommend going to part- patreon.com slash arcane anthems and checking them out. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And as always, a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank yep. you so much for loving us and supporting us. All oh. of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years. And I have one more shout out. Oh, uh, yeah. Congratulations to one of our friends. Hey, all right. Congratulations. Yeah, he knows who he is. (laughs) (laughs) And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.